Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And a pleasant good afternoon, everyone. We welcome you to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We're live on this 4th of July, your Monday, July the 4th of 2022. It is currently eight minutes after five o'clock. We have overcast skies currently in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Hope you're having a terrific 4th of July, maybe doing a little grilling. Later tonight, please be safe with the fireworks. Right now, 85 degrees in downtown South Bend. It feels like 86. We're going to have a heat advisory in effect for tomorrow from about 1 o'clock until 10 o'clock. We're expecting a high temperature, a little above 90 degrees tomorrow. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thanks for joining me on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Really quick, just want to mention, yesterday was kind of an historic day for not only us, but radio in general. And you think about how far we have come through the years with this particular medium. It is still going as strong as ever. But yesterday marked the 100th anniversary of WSBT Radio going on the air for the first time. Wasn't exactly sports radio at that particular time, and it wasn't WSBT Radio. We were known as WGAZ from 1922 until 1925, and the WGA was in reference to Studebaker Automobile Company being in downtown South Bend, and it was suggested that South Bend was the world's greatest automotive zone, greatest automotive zone, G-A-Z, hence W-G-A-Z. So that's when we went on the air. It was 7.30 p.m. July 3rd, 1922. And the program, given through the courtesy of the Rees Furniture Company, featured local musical performers. Then September 9th, 1925, under the ownership of the South Bend Tribune, our call letters changed to what we have been known for ever since, 
WSBT. We became a CBS radio network affiliate back in 1932. That ended, oh gosh, maybe 10, 15 years ago. But pretty amazing. We have survived through a lot, a lot of changes, the creation of television. Many thought that satellite radio would kill local radio, and it actually has not bothered us in the least bit because so many people still want that little bit of local information, whether it be sports, the weather, traffic. Those are things you can't get on satellite radio. So it has been great that radio has survived many different changes. And honestly, the creation of podcasts have helped us. The number of people streaming radio stations across the country continues to rise each and every quarter. So the listening to podcasts have helped us because not only do you listen to podcasts on your phone, but now so many people are streaming radio stations, including our WSBT radio app. If you don't have it, it's a free download at the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search WSBT radio. And you can listen to our programming live or you can listen to our podcast whenever you would like. So I guess happy birthday to us. We are starting now, I guess, year 101 since the anniversary of number 100 was last night at 730. 512 is our time. Breaking news as expected. Another huge get for Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame football team as Christian Gray has just verbally committed to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. This is another four-star product that the Irish have picked up a verbal commitment from. He is a cornerback from St. Louis, Missouri, 5'11", 170, and the Irish beat out LSU, Ohio State, and USC. The Irish have been involved in the recruitment of Christian Gray for over a year, and they have gotten the job done. They have gotten the outstanding cornerback from the Gateway City to the West, and now the Irish have picked up the nation's number 78 overall player, according to the on-three consensus, the number seven cornerback in the class. And according to Mike Singer, our Notre Dame football recruiting insider, from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. You'll hear from Mike tomorrow. Christian Gray is Notre Dame's highest-ranked cornerback since a guy that is no relation, Gary Gray from Columbia, South Carolina, picked the Fighting Irish. He was the number 44 recruit and number 5 cornerback. He doesn't list the year, but that goes back a few years. So the Irish now have four defensive backs, in the class of 2023, recently, Micah Bell from Texas, another four-star corner, picked the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame has a couple of good-looking safeties in the class of 2023. Texas, Peyton Bowen, and New Jersey's Adon Schuler. Well, this is a big day for the Irish. They now have two corners in their 23 class. They have 19 commitments overall. And they have really bolstered their standing with the number one class in 2023 as the Fighting Irish have landed the services of Christian Gray from St. Louis, Missouri, the nation's number 78 overall player, the number seven corner. 
And you've got a pretty good tandem building in the class of 2023 at the cornerback spot with Micah Bell, who picked the Irish last week. And now it is Christian Gray today. So there you go. Breaking news surrounding the Fighting Irish. Fireworks right now at the Goog as the Irish have landed a guy they have been working hard on for the last year. Christian Gray verbally commits to the Fighting Irish over schools like LSU and Ohio State. So that really solidifies Notre Dame's stance in the 23 class as the number one team right now. They're number one. In the 24 class, they have picked up five verbal commitments in the last week. We told you a week ago that this was going to be a big next seven days for the Fighting Irish, and Notre Dame was leading for the five players that we told you about, and all five players have verbally committed to the Fighting Irish. And Mike Singer, of course, has kept you updated with his reports here on WSBT Radio and all of his writing at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. So Christian Gray, just a moment ago, verbally commits to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. It is 5.15 on this Monday. Darren Pritchett with you. We're live on 960 AM WSBT. Well, on Friday's program, I mentioned that when I arrived in South Bend in December of 98 to work at WSBT Radio, I needed to do a little research because I needed to understand, coming to work here, why Notre Dame is still an independent in football. I did that research. You know, I listened to a lot of people who have a great understanding of Notre Dame football, and I got it pretty quickly. I understood totally why Notre Dame was an independent, the national schedule, the national recruiting, being that independent, academic Football power, powerful stuff. Totally got it, understood it, and I've been absolutely 100% on board ever since. Being on various radio stations across the country talking about Notre Dame football, independent Notre Dame always got brought up, and I would get into an explanation. I don't think most of the (laughs) broadcasters got it or wanted to believe it, but I did the best I could. And really, after USC and UCLA jumped from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten on Friday, I just decided, you know what, it's time, in my opinion, from the information I have for Notre Dame to jump to the Big Ten, it's just hard to leave that money on the table. You now have a national schedule in the Big Ten. You're still going to be a national recruiting power. And another piece of the puzzle is basically – You can have all your rivalries right here in the Big Ten Conference. If Notre Dame wants to continue their rivalries, they can do so actually quite easily. As I mentioned, the national schedule is still going to be there because you now have Big Ten teams on the West Coast in USC and UCLA. The number of teams from the West Coast joining the Big Ten could increase in time. You've got, of course, Nebraska in the heartland. You got all the schools surrounding the University of Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Purdue. Notre Dame surrounded by all these schools. Then you've also got the ability to go to the East Coast with Rutgers and Maryland. And again, maybe another team or two 
could be coming from the East Coast. So the national schedule is there. And if you think about it, Notre Dame has always had some great rivalry matchups, and they have been able to continue those rivalries through the years with their independent schedule. If, it's a big if, if you join the Big Ten Conference, you could have four to six rivalry games every year on your football schedule, almost like your independent schedule. So here's kind of the thinking. You can still schedule Navy because in all likelihood, the Big Ten will play nine or ten conference games. Let's say it's nine. You can easily schedule Navy as your tenth game. You can continue that long-standing matchup with the United States Naval Academy. We missed one year, the COVID year, that's it. So that still can be played if you join the Big Ten Conference. If you're Notre Dame, you have so much power and leverage right now. Even with all the chaos in college football, Notre Dame can really do almost whatever they would like because these conferences, right now the two power conferences, the Big Ten of the SEC, they want the big whale in their aquarium. And Notre Dame brings everything you could possibly want in a football team joining your conference. And if Notre Dame wanted to join a conference, and we'll see if they do, they've got a ton of leverage to tweak the deal that favors them. If they want to be a group that's going to bargain hard, I think they have every right to do so. And you know what? They're probably going to get most of that from the conference that they're talking to. They're in a great position right now. Absolutely perfect. They may stay independent and ride it out. A lot of money left on the table. I know money's not everything, but money's still pretty doggone important in enhancing various parts of your your university, if I can spit it out. But you take a look at the possibility. Again, if there are nine Big Ten conference games, Navy could be your 10th. That's a non-conference game. If you're Notre Dame, again, you have so much power in this situation, you could say to, for our example, the Big Ten, I would like this team to join us. Now, that's a lucky team, first of all, to have Notre Dame putting their arm around them to help them to get into a power conference. But let's just talk hypotheticals. What if Notre Dame wanted to bring along Stanford? You think the Big Ten would say no? Heck no. They would say, yes, Notre Dame, absolutely. (laughs) What else can we help you with? If that hypothetical occurred, then you could continue that longstanding rivalry of Notre Dame and Stanford squaring off in football. And already built into conference play, you have the ability to continue rivalries you have had through the years. Of course, Notre Dame and USC, the greatest intersectional rivalry in college football history. USC, a part of the Big Ten. If Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten, there's that Notre Dame-USC rivalry. Now, the Big Ten schools have bounced now more off the schedule than they used to based on the agreement Notre Dame has with the ACC Conference playing right around five ACC teams per year. 
that has forced Notre Dame to go different directions with their schedule. So if you were to join the Big Ten, besides USC, some other old rivals could pop up on your schedule annually or every so often, and that being Purdue, Michigan, and Michigan State. We're still a good number of years away from Notre Dame and Michigan playing once again. That's something that could happen regularly. So as you can see, if the Irish wanted to forego independence, join the Big Ten, you have a great opportunity to continue or reignite some rivalries you've had for so many years here in South Bend. And you wonder, could the Big Ten establish something like the ACC put forth last week? And that includes having three rivalry games on your schedule each and every year. Three rivalry games within the conference. Now, the ACC put together a package in which every team of the conference will play three rivalry games every year. Now, this could get disrupted if the ACC gets cherry-picked by the Big Ten and the SEC in the coming days, weeks, month, I guess years are even a possibility. So using that concept that Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, came up with, could you see that in the Big Ten? Absolutely, because let's go back to the reasoning of the rivalry games. You know, the ACC wants to enhance what they have right now. They want to put more eyeballs on their broadcasts, and you want the best games possible. They're not putting together a new TV deal. The ACC is locked into their new deal, unfortunately for them, through 2036. Notre Dame is in a situation in which if they went to the ACC, obviously that would be a massive boost for the ACC. I don't think it fixes their problems because they could still be cherry-picked. But you look at the Big Ten, they are putting together a massive portfolio for the TV networks to bid on. We came into the week thinking that the package was going to be over a billion. I saw... Somebody write that USC and UCLA takes that number to higher levels. So when we were talking about each Big Ten team annually could bring in 80 to $110 million, that might be on the low side. That's the type of monetary advantage we're talking about and why Notre Dame has to consider all options at this particular time. Is there a way if you join the Big Ten to keep your NBC contract? Is that something that's possible? That contract will run out in a couple of years. Something to think about. Is the NBC contract that valuable nowadays, considering everything that's going on with these massive conference TV deals? Just another thing for the Fighting Irish administration to think about. But the national schedule is there in the Big Ten, which makes this really, really fascinating. Could you put together a rivalry portion of the schedule where Notre Dame and everybody else in the Big Ten would play a certain number of games each year against the same teams? Again, you're trying to put together matchups that catch the attention of we, the college football fans. If we are not a fan of particular schools, 
let's just use, I don't know, Michigan and Wisconsin as an example. If we're not Michigan and Wisconsin fans, putting Michigan and Wisconsin together each and every year, would that make sense? Would that make you as a Notre Dame fan to want to watch that game if the game is not played at the same time as the Irish? Now, that's just one example, but the rivalry games do bring forth matchups we can get accustomed to seeing, like the Red River matchup gets overhyped because, man, they build that thing up, the Texas-Oklahoma game. It's remarkable. Now, you're not going to be able to do that with all the matchups, but the rivalry portion of a schedule, I think, is an interesting way to go. So what would it be for Notre Dame? We got into a bit of a debate on Twitter about this the other day, and the Obvious choices right off the bat. Now, I'm not saying this is Notre Dame's choices. I'm just trying to take a step back as a college football fan. What would I want to see? And if you had three rivalry games for Notre Dame in this hypothetical Big Ten conversation, wouldn't the two obvious choices be USC and Michigan? As a Notre Dame fan, would that be exciting? to have USC and Michigan on the schedule each and every year. Sure going to help your strength of schedule. And folks, with the way Marcus Freeman and the Irish are recruiting right now, I'm not sure you're going to be scared of anybody in the coming years. I mean, if this plays out on the field like it is in the recruiting circles, which we have to see it, of course, but, man, they are just hitting home run after home run in the recruiting circles, including getting Christian Gray the corner just a couple of moments ago. So I don't know if I'd be necessarily fearful of USC and Michigan like it might look on paper because Notre Dame's putting themselves in a great position. Now, Lincoln Riley is going to get that USC thing going. I'm, I'm fully confident of that. I think it's going to take another head coach for Michigan to get back to consistent prominence. They had their run last year, and they have not followed up at all with any sort of recruiting this year. So yeah, if you're a non-Notre Dame fan and just looking at this, trying to be unbiased, if you had three rivalry games in the Big Ten conference schedule in our hypothetical conversation, Notre Dame, you'd have USC and Michigan right off the bat. What would be your third? This gets back to, again, this is a hypothetical. If Notre Dame said to the Big Ten, you know what? Bring Stanford along. Okay. Stanford could be your third game. Many would argue Michigan State. You know, Michigan State and Notre Dame have the 10-10 tie in their history. You know, they played a lot in this century. The Michigan State-Notre Dame game does not get me as excited as other Big Ten matchups personally. I know a lot of people on social media would like Michigan State to be the third matchup. Some argue Purdue. So there's a lot of different ways you can go. But the bottom line is, no matter what direction you go, you're going to have some very familiar rivalry games in this particular format. Again, we're just kind of hypothetically throwing out there. There's a lot of interesting matchups that can be had. That keeps Indiana and Purdue playing each and every year. That would be the obvious one of three rivalry matchups for those schools. Now, who else would Purdue play in a rivalry situation? Who else would Indiana play? gets a little complicated because you got to figure out these 16 teams or 16-plus teams, and everybody has three rivalry games, and you're probably going to have some teams that get it easier than others. But teams like Ohio State and Michigan and USC, they 
should be able to handle a tougher schedule because they're far ahead of everybody else. Notre Dame, of course, in that conversation as well, if, 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 if they were ever a member of the Big Ten Conference. I did read something a little bit ago, and I've got it on the printer, and i got to go grab it here in just a couple of moments. I found it right as the show was starting. But Pat Forty, who is a terrific writer, has great sources. He has a story up at si.com in regard to Notre Dame and you know, talking to different sources that Notre Dame could come up with their decision in the coming hours, days, weeks, months, or maybe even years. This could be a long time coming before we truly know the direction of the fighting hours. Then it becomes how patient does the Big Ten and the SEC become? I guess if you're the Big Ten of the SEC, the two power plays right now in college sports, if you wanted to go to 20, I would think you could add two more teams to get to 18. Then you leave a spot for Notre Dame and maybe someone they would want to bring along. Bring along a pal like Stanford, for example. That gets you to 20. Heck, if you get to 20 and Notre Dame then decides to come and bring a couple of more people, great. If we're having this conversation, you know, I've, I've mentioned this in years past when we've had these conversations about Notre Dame independence, and I've often remarked, if Notre Dame ever wanted to join a conference, why couldn't they start their own conference? Remember the scene in Field of Dreams? The voice, build it and they will come. If Notre Dame built their own conference and they handed out the invitations, how many no's would they get? Who wouldn't want to be a part of a conference with Notre Dame attached to it? You talk about TV rights deals? Holy cow. That would be pretty doggone good. So it's always been a fun hypothetical. Is it realistic? Heck, I don't know, but... With the power and the leverage of Notre Dame, why couldn't they start their own conference? Have an eight-team league. Have a ten-team league. Pick whoever they want. Fox and ESPN are basically running all these changes. Fox is heavily behind the scenes working on improving the Big Ten. ESPN doing the same with the SEC. Remember when the Big 12 accused ESPN with tampering with Texas and Oklahoma to get them to the SEC? Sounds like Fox was involved in the USC-UCLA conversation. So there are power players behind the scenes. Heck, Notre Dame could do that with their leverage and their power. Say, I'll take you, 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 you. Let's go have some fun. Is it realistic? Heck, I don't know. But again, to me, there's only one team in this nation that could pull it off. And they are just a few miles from where I'm broadcasting from today. 5.33 is our time. Darren Pritchett with you live on this 4th of July. More sports speed coming up in a couple of moments, including our Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 5X. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Twenty-two minutes in front of six o'clock. We're live on this Fourth of July. Good afternoon, Taryn Pritchett, with you. 
our Twitter question of the day from Friday with the news of the Big Ten. Joining the SEC as a super conference with the addition of USC and UCLA. Do you believe Notre Dame football will join a conference in the next three years? And I'm really surprised by the results. 68% that voted on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat said yes, they believe Notre Dame will join a conference in the next three years. 32% holding on to independence. They said no. On Friday, I would have voted yes. Today, I'm still leaning yes, but not as confident as I was on Friday. Thank you for voting on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. And this afternoon, a new question was posted. Today's question, how many hot dogs could you eat in the 10 minutes given to the participants of the 4th of July tradition, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? Here are your four choices. Again, you get 10 minutes. You have to eat hot dog and bun. So how many could you eat in 10 minutes? Choice number one, one to two hot dogs. Second choice, three to four. Your third choice, five to seven hot dogs. And the fourth and final choice, you monsters, eight or more. We'd love for you to vote on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. And yes, you have to keep the hot dogs down. We will put into play the reversal of fortune rule for the hot dog eating contest at Nathan's. The old reversal of fortune is when the delicious food decides to leave your stomach. (laughs) Best way to put it. That gets you an automatic disqualification. So you could have eaten 60 hot dogs, but if they decide to come up, you are disqualified from the competition. So how many hot dogs could you eat in the 10 minutes given to the participants of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? Your choices: 1 to 2, 3 to 4, 5 to 7, or 8 or more. Vote over the next 24 hours on Twitter at 960SportsBeep. And the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest took place earlier today. I think it was back on Coney Island. And Joey Chestnut, despite having a ruptured tendon in his foot on crutches, won the title once again, his 15th mustard belt. Chestnut ate 63 hot dogs in 10 minutes to win the title. Not close to the record he set last year, of 76 but he had 63 hot dogs today plus he tackled a protester that hopped on the stage right next to him he put the gentleman in a pretty good chokehold and then started eating once again so the record is 76 chestnut had 63 today second place today was 47 and a half hot dogs and if you want to be grossed out Joey Chestnut in his career in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, he has ate 
a total of 1,152 hot dogs. My, I can't imagine you have many hot dogs during the off-season or maybe in the months leading up to the July 4th hot dog eating contest. So it's in the books. Joey Chestnut wins for the 15th time. and I think it was last fall Joey Chestnut showed up at a Notre Dame football game and has a picture on Twitter in his green Notre Dame polo standing the top row of Notre Dame Stadium. Took a little selfie with I think the band coming into the stadium in the background. So Joey Chestnut, Notre Dame fan, his 15th mustard belt at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It is 17 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. We've got some Notre Dame recruiting talk coming up in the next two segments. We'll recap what has happened in the last couple of days with Notre Dame football recruiting. Rico Flores Jr. picks the Irish and... Within the hour, Christian Gray picked the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And then in the 6 o'clock hour, we are going to have kind of a montage of some of the comments of Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider Mike Singer talking about some of the great players the Irish have picked up over the last month. That's still to come on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Five forty-nine at Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Fourth of July. Well, Rico Flores Jr., a player we have talked about on this program with Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football recruiting insider Mike Singer. Rico Flores Jr. picked the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame over the weekend. The 2023 wide receiver picked the Irish over Ohio State and Georgia. Rico Flores Jr. was offered by Notre Dame all the way back in April of 2021. The on-three consensus ranking has Flores as the 28th best wide receiver in the class of 2023, player number 171 overall, and the 12th best player coming out of the state of California in 2023. Now, Flores became the 18th commitment for Notre Dame in the class of 2023. He is the second wide receiver joining Texas native Braylon James. Now, Flores Jr. is from Folsom High School in California. He is 6'1", 195. Mike Singer was on the program last week, and before we knew whether Flores was going to pick the Fighting Irish or not, although we knew he was a lean, here were a couple of comments of Mike Singer on Rico Flores Jr., who is now Fighting Irish. Ohio State just went crazy at, at the receiver spot. Uh, 
I, I don't know what happened with Georgia, um, but that one didn't happen either. So this one's just kind of seems like it's falling into Notre Dame's lap. So I, I'm not 100% sure on his commitment time. I want to say it's around 3 or 4 on Sunday, Eastern time p.m. Um, so there, if Notre Dame lands Rigo Flores, adds him into Braylon James, uh, and then we'll talk more in the future about potential additions on that receiver with, with guys like Ronan Hannafin from Massachusetts and Jaden Greathouse, another player from the Austin area, along with Braylon James. I mean, it's, it's really exciting right now. I love me some chance of stuck that dude's killing it on the recruiting trail. I was just going to say, he hit the ground running and it's paying off. He's a rock star. I mean, I want to say, was, was, was it on our show? No, I think it was on our, our, our live show on Wednesday night. Tim Hyde asked me, what is it about why he's having so much success? Is Stucky being, is it, you know, he played in the NFL or he played at Clemson? I was like, I don't think any of that really makes a difference because all these top receivers coach played in the NFL. All these top receiver coaches, um, you know, ha- have a really good pedigree. Um, it's just how you build relationships. What kind of um, communicator are you? What kind of energy do you bring? Chancey Stuckey is a special person. That's why Tommy Reese pushed Marcus Freeman to hire him. Um, even though you had um, the, the Purdue coach's name's escaping me, um, Jamarcus Shepard, who ended up taking the Washington job, I really think Notre Dame could have gotten him. He was a more established guy that Notre Dame fans really wanted. I think Notre Dame turned him down to get Chancey Stuckey, and we're seeing why. That's Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. More from Mike coming up next hour. Flores told On3's Chad Simmons, quote, it's about that 40-year decision. Notre Dame has it all. They have great coaches. The education is great, and I feel very comfortable there. It's about family, and I feel comfortable with the whole situation at Notre Dame, end quote. Now, back in May, Flores told On3, quote, I'm not going to lie, Notre Dame does recruit me the hardest. It is like the whole staff recruits me from Coach Marcus Freeman to Coach Tommy Reese to Coach Stuckey to Coach Bowden. They show me a lot of interest. It's a different feeling from them. It's hard to explain. That attention means something to me, end quote. Now, Flores visited Notre Dame, and then he canceled his official visits to Georgia and Ohio State, and that's when everybody said, wow, the Irish are going to land this outstanding wide receiver, a major need in the 2023 class, Flores' junior year, 81 catches for 1,157 yards and 11 touchdowns in a 15-game season. Flores went on to say, quote, Coach Freeman is a great guy. I got to sit down with him on my visit, and he is one of the best coaches I've talked to. He is so real. That is important to me. Coach Freeman is not all about football. He cares about his players. He wants what is best for them in life. And that is the type of coach I want to play for, end quote. Now, prep football recruiting analyst Tom Lemming, the godfather of college football recruiting, said, quote, Flores may lack the burner speed, but he more than makes up for it with his elite level ball skills. He shows very good strength for the wide receiver position. 
He's as reliable as they come and can beat you deep while also not afraid to go over the middle for the tough catch. Flores is explosive with a high IQ. He's very aggressive, runs great routes, catches everything with his frame, and will go get the ball. As I mentioned, he has exceptional ball skills, end quote. The comments of prep football report recruiting analyst Tom Lemming. So let's see what the Irish are doing right now. The 2021 class, which will be sophomores this year, Good-looking group highlighted by Lorenzo Stiles Jr., Dion Colsey, and Jaden Thomas. The 22 class, only one commitment. The Irish had a couple of back out at the last second. And the one who decided to stay put, Tobias Merriweather. And now the 23 class with Braylon James and Rico Flores. That is two high-end wide receivers right now in this Notre Dame class of 2023. Once again, at the top of this hour, the Irish picked up verbal commitment number 19, this time from the defensive side of the football. Four-star corner from St. Louis, Missouri, Christian Gray is verbally committed to the Irish over LSU and Ohio State. On three, consensus has Gray as the seventh-best corner in the class of 2023, player number 78 overall. And he joins another four-star corner, Micah Bell, in this Notre Dame class of 2023. And so the Irish now sit with 19 commitments in the 23 class, which is the number one ranked class in the country. There are four defensive backs, two corners, and two safeties. The Irish spent a lot of time recruiting Rico Flores Jr. and Christian Gray, and it pays off. They get commitments from those two over the last 24 hours. So the Irish have the number one recruiting class in 23 and 24. A reason to set off some fireworks and have an extra cup of punch on this 4th of July. 5.57 is our time. We'll take a break. When we come back, a Sports Center update. Then we'll have some more Notre Dame football recruiting conversation. We got sports wagering coming up before we sign off at 6.40 for South Bend Cubs baseball. All on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSB. Leading off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy's good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run! Eloy Jimenez! Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's the winner! Here's Darren Pritchett. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Welcome to the second hour of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Live on this Monday, 10 minutes after 6 o'clock. Hope you're having a terrific 4th of July. Cubs and Brewers, they got a dandy going up in Milwaukee right now. It is still Cubs 1, Brewers nothing. Bottom of the seventh inning, Justin Steele. Six and two-thirds shutout innings, giving up one hit, two walks, with nine strikeouts. And the difference in the ballgame, besides the outstanding pitching by Steele, was in the top of the third inning, Nelson Velasquez. He was a member of the South Bend Cubs in 2018, 2019, and also 
2021. He's got a nice ring from that championship season in 2019. Velasquez today playing in his 14th game in the majors, and he entered today in search of his first major league home run. Velasquez launches one deep to left and gone. Yelich didn't even bother, just watched it go, and the Cubs take advantage of the home run hurler. Everybody in the Cubs dugout waving to get that ball in here. First major league home run for Mr. Nelson Velasquez. So that was on Marquee Sports Network earlier this afternoon. Velasquez with career home run number one. It was a no-downer over the left field fence. It was measured at 414 feet. And for Nelson Velasquez, he had 60 home runs in the minors in 372 games, including with the South Bend Cubs. No homers in 120 at-bats in 2018. He was young then. He was not ready for that leveled the Midwest League at that time at the age of 19. Came back in 2019. That was a much improved Nelson Velasquez. He really figured it out the second half of the year. Four homers for Velasquez in 72 games with South Bend in 2019. And then 2021, 69 games with South Bend. He hit 12 homers and drove in 46 in 69 games. He started the year. At Double-A Tennessee, went to Triple-A Iowa, and then called up to the majors. Entering today with the Cubs, Velasquez hitting 290 with a 371 on base percentage. But Velasquez today hits career home run number one. He is one for two today, and his batting average sits at 303. Cubs one, Brewers nothing in the bottom of the seventh inning. Well, it has been an unbelievable month for the Irish football team as recruiting is going as well as anyone can possibly imagine. And the Irish have just been rolling. Remember when C.J. Carr picked the Irish? Boy, the Irish have had a lot of talent since the 24 quarterback picked the University of Notre Dame. And, of course, earlier today, Christian Gray picked the Irish the four-star corner in the class of 2023. Mike Singer is the guy who keeps us up to date on Notre Dame football recruiting. He is the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And he's been on our airways a lot over the last month. We're going to do a little montage as he's going to get you caught up on some of the players that the Irish have picked up commitments from, starting with a huge get, the kid from Michigan, the grandson of former Michigan head coach Lloyd Carr, C.J. Carr, quarterback, 24 class, picked the Fighting Irish within the last few weeks. And I asked Mike Singer to give us his thoughts on C.J. Carr, the person and the football player. Oh, Darren, I, I think I'm going to throw a cliche at you. You know, he's a better he's a better young man than he is a football player, you know. Um, but that's saying something because he is a darn good football player. Um, I mean, on the field, I mean, he's, he's really got everything. He's got um, the ability to throw on the run. He's got the ability to dissect um, you, uh, you know, from the pocket. He's got the arm talent, the accuracy, the bloodlines. I mean, just. There, I mean, pretty much everything about him as a quarterback, he's got. Um, there, there, there's no glaring weaknesses um, in this young man's game. Um, he, he is just a, uh, a a bona fide stud at the quarterback position. So, 
um, you know, it, it's a big-time get for the Fighting Irish and uh, one that Notre Dame fans should be uh, really excited about. And, and then, you know, off-the-field, terrific leader, um, you know, just a, a, a fantastic young man. He's smart, um, got the grades, just an intelligent human being and comes from a great family. Um, you know, that family might bleed, you know, Maize and blue instead of blue and gold, but hey, um, CJ Carr right now bleeds blue and gold, so that's all that matters, right? Mike, going forward, as this class continues to build, do you expect CJ to be heavily involved in talking to recruits? Do you get a sense that he wants to be involved in the process? Well, Darren, he committed last Thursday, um, and two days later, um, he was back in South Bend to recruit, you know. And he was just on campus the week before. Um, so he made the trip in because Notre Dame had a huge official visit weekend. And um, he really wanted to, um, you know, recruit. And, and let me say this, Darren. I would, you know, 98, 99% of the time when recruits tell me that, yeah, I, I, I want to recruit and help build my class, that's always just for their class. That, you know, cars a 2024 commit. Well, for now, maybe it's 2023. We, we can talk about that in a second, Darren. Um, but he told me that he wants to recruit both classes. Like, hmm. he's got the intelligence to say, I'm not just going to be playing with the 2024 recruits. These 2023 guys, I'll be playing with them as well. So I want to make sure I get a really good class there as well. So um, pretty pretty intelligent kid there. Um, and, and, yeah, he, he's, he's got that charisma and the big name, the highly ranked recruit um, to uh, – have some some say with these prospects on the recruiting front. Based on what you just talked about there, let me give you a, a hypothetical. If you were to sit down with C.J. Carr right now and talk to him about wide receivers in the 23 and 24 class, who do you hope he becomes buddies with? Well, Juan was just on campus this past weekend, and they had a, a post on Instagram together. Uh, Rico Flores from Folsom, California, um, four-star receiver, He's down to Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Pretty good top three. And he's visiting Georgia this weekend, I believe it is, and Ohio State's next. So that's a big one. Um, and then Jaden Greathouse is officially visiting this weekend, four-star receiver from Austin, Texas. I'll, I'll check in with CJ. Maybe he's coming back to campus this weekend as well. Um, Christian Hamilton's a North Carolina four-star receiver in the 23 class who's also expected to be on campus this weekend. So um, I expect Carr to be recruiting those guys hard. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me here on WSBT Radio. Let's go a different direction with C.J. Carr for a moment. Mike, I know on social media there was some speculation that possibly C.J. could reclassify. Two-part question. Number one, for people that don't follow recruiting closely, what does reclassify mean? And is C.J. Carr considering it? Well, yeah, a few things there. First of all, there's all sorts of speculation on Twitter all the time. But this one does have some merit, though, I will say. Um, as far as what reclassifying is, so CJ right now is going or slated to graduate as a, in the class of 2024. Um, he would enroll early at Notre Dame, like a semester early. So he, he would either get to – so if you're a class of 2024 player, you would either get to Notre Dame – in the summer of 2024, or you would enroll early to be 
participating in spring ball for 2024. So you'd get there in January. Well, he's looking at graduating a whole year early. So instead of going into his junior year like he is right now, he could skip a year and be a senior this fall um, at Saline uh, High School just outside of Ann Arbor. So that is an option to do that, especially at a school at Notre Dame. It's not easy. You've got to have a lot of your um, your schoolwork done. You've got to take extra classes. Like he's taken some extra classes this summer to be able to have the academic requirements to do that. So like I said, it's not easy to do, especially at Notre Dame, but it goes back to something I said earlier. Very intelligent young man. Um, he, he's got fantastic grades and, and all that good stuff. So he is working. Look, from what I've been told and what CJ even told me last week is that his plan is to stay in the 2024 class. But there's still the option available this summer for him to possibly go ahead and graduate um, early so he would join the 2023 class and whether he would get to Notre Dame in January of 2023 or in the summer of 2023, I don't know right now. Um, But again, there's at least a possibility that he would skip a grade essentially. Um, But right now the plan is for him to stick in the 2024 class. Jack Larson. What can you tell us about Jack Larson? He's an impressive player. Um, you know, at about 6'3", 215 to 220, more of a receiving tight end. I don't think that he has the genetics that he's going to be a 6'5", 6'6", tight end. You know, I think he you know, probably gets to Notre Dame about 6'3", 6'4". This, like, how, how big he is, I, I mean, I don't know if that's a talking point when a kid's going into his junior year of high school. Like, he's 220 right now. Okay, like, get to Notre Dame at 230. Like, why do we care about that? You know, it's not, not, a, not a big deal. But the skills are impressive. He again, he's definitely a receiving tight end. You put him in the slot, put him out wide. You can. He's good enough blocking that you can have him in, as an inline player. But that's not his game. He excels as a route runner um, and as a receiver. Catches the ball very well. Um, when we got to see him at Irish Invasion in early June, Jack Larson was fantastic. So, um, you know, the rankings from site to site vary on him, um, but. I mean, you, you watch the tape. I've seen him in person a couple times now, and uh, the offer list, you know, speaks for itself. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, uh, Michigan, some, some big-time schools were after him. So, yeah, Darren is just a, a, a really solid get for Notre Dame, and, you know, you need a receiving tight end to continue tight end you. Let's go with Cam Williams, a very exciting wide receiver from the state of Illinois who earlier this week picked the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Yeah, um, and even you can backtrack to last Friday when Notre Dame landed a commitment from Jack Larson, so really six. And then, I mean, just this month has, has been a total hot streak for the Fighting Irish. So um, Cam Williams, 6'2", 175-pounder, a four-star prospect for the on-three consensus, number 75 overall player, number 12 wide receiver. Uh, grew up, I mean, as we talked about a good bit, Darren, grew up a Michigan fan, so it's it's, you know, it's, it's obviously good for the Fighting Irish to land a big-time prospect. It's good for the Fighting Irish to land a wide receiver. And then when he's, he's just a little extra cherry on top when he grew up a Michigan fan, Darren. <laughs> I mean, I think that's just um, a little extra there. Um, you know, I saw him in person at Irish Invasion, and 
and he was fantastic there. And you watch him on sophomore film, you know, we had stories on uh, his commitment and um, with expert reaction, what Tom Lemming and, um, you know, Charles Power over at On3, what these guys had to say and just raving about them. And someone who, you know, already has really good traits at the wide receiver spot and, and you see him on sophomore film, he's already really darn good. And then you just look at how much better he can get. It's a really good combination of a player with a high floor and a pretty high ceiling. So you're really excited about this one if you're a Notre Dame fan. And you're getting into Chicago, Darren. Yeah. That's that's another important aspect of it. Um, this 2024 class is, is really good in Chicago. Um, a few of the headliners, Kane Williams, obviously. Justin Scott, who's a five-star defensive lineman per on three. Marquise Lightfoot. Um, is an impressive edge rusher, um, I, I think, from Kenwood Academy, I believe. I apologize if I'm, if I'm wrong on that one. But, yeah, it's, it's a really good group in Chicago, and Cam Williams is definitely one of those players. Mike, if you take Cam Williams and kind of mix together the 23 and 24 wide receiver classes and understanding that there are some commitments still to come, for the Irish at wide receiver. Do you feel like they're going to fill all three wide receiver spots? And also, is Cam more of a slot receiver? He's got the height, but 175 pounds, pretty good speed. I'm wondering, is he more of a slot guy? I'm going to be completely honest with you, Darren. And and, and guys like Tommy Reese or Chancey Stuckey could hear this and be like, no, Mike, you're an idiot. This is just my opinion. I, I, I am of the opinion that I don't care okay. really about that just get the best receivers um someone like rico flores who we'll touch on in a minute darren um uh, he's about six one one ninety. it's not your typical body type we think of like a slot receiver it's like oh, 5 10 180 pounds they're small and quick like yeah that that, that has its place but you can have a like a a, a you know a beast of a, a bigger slot receiver who's a technician is the word I was looking for. I don't know why beast came to mind, but she's like technician, just a really good possession um, receiver from the slot. That's really important too. Um, so yeah, having, having a smaller guy who's a game breaker, that's very nice. But I think that all of you, like you don't need a five, 10, 180 pound guy. Give me a six, two, yeah. you know, 190 pound, 200 pound guy. If he's just this fast, like, I don't, you don't need to be smaller to play the slot position. That's a myth, in my opinion. Um, the bigger you are, the bigger target for the quarterback. This is even better. And I think Cam Williams ran a sub four five forty yard dash. So that's what I'm talking about. You can be really fast and be pretty big as well and play slot. So, I mean, Notre Dame's had a pretty good track record of getting these big boundary receivers like Cam Williams here. Uh, Braylon James committed in the twenty three class. Obviously, you've had guys like Deion Colsey, um, just at this position in recent years, Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin. You've had all these guys, um, and you can put them out in the field. You can put them in the I really do think that they can play anywhere, Darren. Charles Jagasaw, according to On3, the best offensive tackle in his class, and he is verbally committed to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So give us some insight on Jagasaw to Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I mean, the fit on and off the field was just perfect here. I mean, it was going to be really tough for Notre Dame. And, you know, he's he's from Illinois, obviously, but it's, you know, a little bit out there. It's about four hours into to South Bend. But, um, look, it, that it's it wasn't a deciding factor that 
if he goes to Notre Dame that, you know, family and friends can make that drive in. Um, that's very convenient. But, I mean, look, if you're an offensive lineman who is very smart, you know, uh, in terms of academics, goes to a fantastic high school, Notre Dame's after you from the Midwest. I mean, it was just kind of a no-brainer. Um, and, uh, yeah, on three has him ranked as the number seven overall player in the country, number one offensive tackle. I mean, number one offensive tackle combined with the number one edge, uh, Keon Keeley from Tampa Berkeley Prep. And I'm, I, I mean, recruiting's going really well for Notre Dame right now, Darren, with, with those two players. And you're getting guys out on the edge. That's something we've talked about so much on, on your show, Darren, is Notre Dame getting quarterbacks, cornerbacks, and wide receivers. Those latter two positions Notre Dame's doing really well at right now. Um, just got to get a quarterback. We'll see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, it's been looking really good on the interior for this class. Mike, when you think about this class that Harry Heastan has put together, it seemed like it's a very balanced class. You have those high-end tackles. You got some guys in high school that have been focused more on being interior offensive linemen. It seems like a well-rounded group at this point. All right. They got five offensive line commitments now. If I'm going – left to right, I'm putting this unit out there on the field. I'm going Elijah Page, left tackle. Um, I, I don't know which guard uh, should be on which side of the, or which side of the line, but let's go Sullivan Absher, left guard. No Dane's running right, and he's pulling. You know, you, you used him <laughs> there. Uh, Joe Odding at center. Uh, right guard, Sam Pendleton. And I love Charles Jaggs as a right tackle just because he is, is so physical, and he loves run blocking, so I think that just works out perfect for him at right tackle. Um, and, yeah, I, even though I think Sullivan Absher could be a tackle, I mean, like, I, I personally would project Absher as a tackle. Um, I think in this class you do have three players who, who project tackle at, at, with Page, Jagisaw, and Absher. But, again, just for the sake of making a starting offensive line just based on the 23 class, that, that would be my lineup. And it's it's really good. and. Notre Dame signed five in 2022 on the offensive line, five back in 2021 with my guy Joe Walt. And you could make starting offensive line units with those five, and they, they were really good on paper as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really good group. Once again, that was a montage of some of the comments of Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider. For the last couple of weeks, it has been a busy, busy time for Notre Dame football recruiting. Get the latest on recruiting at blueandgold.com. We go into Sizzler. Our sports wagering segment is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 